out there, it's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the people, places, things, and concepts from that galaxy far, far away. I am your host, Mac, and I'm joined by my fellow curator, Ross. Mac, great to be back today. Uh, doing something a little different today. We're only doing two topics. Yeah, we can keep it light. Yeah, a little light, a little bit of a shorter episode. Tell them how long we'll be talking. We're going to be probably talking for a little over an hour. A little over an hour I think. Total. I think we got two topics. Yeah. We're going to probably, yeah, I think they're... Light to middleweight topics, yeah. so I think we can knock About a half them. hour each or so, probably. Yeah, but they're yeah. fun topics. They are going to be fun. Tell them what they've won. So the thing about it is it's going to be fun is I'm going to talk a lot, and hopefully you'll chime in, uh, to clone armor. We're going to talk about the uh, the clone armor that exists in the prequel movies. I got some things to say, sure. Good, good, good. Yeah. And uh, then we're going to continue our Force Powers series by looking at the Force Leap, Force Jump. The, I like um, it. And getting some altitude and height <laughs> on the force. Yeah. Lots of knee problems in Star Wars, you would think, with all the high jumping and landing. Well, remember, this is a galaxy that has no understanding or fear of heights because there's not a safety rail in that entire universe. That's true. That's very true, Mac. And maybe that's because they, they just like, well, I'll just cushion myself with the force. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get into we it. We will. Let's do that right after this. Let's get kitted up. It's time to talk about some armor. Specifically, the armor of the prequels. The, well, the titular armor of the Clone Wars, ones worn by the clones. Who knew? I know, weird, right? <laughs> yeah, the clone armor is worn by the clones. Um, So, clone armor. So, clone armor we first see at the end of Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, where the clones attack. And uh, they show up in what is affectionately known as Phase 1 armor. This is the gear that we see the Grand Army of the Republic roll out in. And it's very, um, well, it's very Boba Fett. I think that's a good way to put it. I, I think that's a good way to put it. When you look at it, it's got the, the same sort of T on the face, mm -hmm. right, for the eyes. I mean, that's the first thing. Um, very simple, very sleek. Mm -hmm. uh, very small in comparison to where the clone trooper helmet will go, which will kind yeah. of be more in comparison to a stormtrooper helmet later. Yeah, like the, so, all the masks have generally like these rebreathers right along like the jawline, and uh -huh. on that it's much more compressed and much more like angled down. Yeah. Um. And uh, but I mean, you still see the the beginnings of stormtroopers because it's got the little, for lack of a better term, the little mouth. Little like frowny mouth that uh, forms under the T visor there. It does. It's it's at a sharper, steeper angle than it will be on later modifications too. So it is the most frowny of all of the clone trooper helmets for sure. <laughs> uh, and then otherwise, I mean, it, it's it's prototype stormtrooper armor. It's it's this white plasticeal um, you know garb. You've got sort of like the chest plate that's just mostly over the breast. You've got sort of this underplating around the middle. You've got the utility belt. You've got a pod one on both shoulders. You've got the upper arm, lower arm, kind of a little like 
I don't know, what do you even call that? Like, I guess the glove armor? The little plate that's on top of your hand? Yeah, the yeah. the glove armor. Well, we'll talk, um, I guess it's, I mean, it's weird to call it a gauntlet because unlike most, like, our world armor, th- there's no real parts to Stormtrooper armor. It's all a one piece. You know, they kind of get into this one glove and all the bits are on, on where they are. It's not like they're, like, strapping down forearm guards or something like that. It's all built sort of together. And then they've got, like, the leg armor. they got knee plate plates, shin plates, and calf plates. And then they've got boots sort of ending in, um, much like the Stormtrooper, almost shoes. They're almost, because, again, the, you know, again, where does the shoe and the boot start? It doesn't really matter. It's just <laughs> all together. <laughs> just all one piece yeah i it's it's interesting i mean i oh i forgot the most important piece cod piece well you can't miss the cod piece yeah there's you a cod that. piece that's important you got to protect the goods so here's my question then yeah so as someone who is uh more of an expert on clone armor than i am yeah it's all one piece it's all like one body glove they get into mm-hmm. okay so the idea is that when they talked about stormtroopers, which is mm-hmm. where all of this comes out of, right? Right. Was the original, like, I don't know where it comes from. I don't have the note of where I wasn't stormtrooper, remember? Um, is the idea of, yes, they have this black body glove mm-hmm. that goes over everything. And yeah. that has, like, the life support, like, systems to, like, regulate heat through the body. Mm-hmm. And that's got the, you know, the seals for space environments and gas and all that kind of stuff and most importantly it's also got i I don't know if they're magnets or if they're locking points but where all the pieces of the armor are mounted Mm. because in the original stormtrooper armor one thing that's very different about the clone troopers from the stormtroopers is the stormtrooper armor is very purposely asymmetrical like if you look at the mask it's a little twisted that's partially just because of molds from the 70s but in other places, too, like if you look at the knees, stormtroopers have two different knee plates. Yeah. Um, and that led to a lot of people thinking or writing early on that, like, there was some way to, like, sort of take the armor pieces apart and stitch them together in some way that helped, like, film a, form a shelter or some sort of other way to kind of, like, survival gear. Oh, I don't interesting. know. Interesting. People saw that little like tube on the back of the belt of the stormtrooper, the utility belt, the asymmetric design. They started going like, "What's it all do? What's what's that like? You know, mm-hmm. is, is, you got like yeah, you got like MREs in there. You like you have rations. Like what what do you what do stormtroopers do if they get abandoned? I'm like they die alone, and the Empire doesn't care. That's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, but yeah, you have you have quite the echo of this clone trooper armor um, echoing the general overall, you know, clad in white look of the uh, stormtroopers, but with that very distinct, much more tall, much more like buckety kind of helmet. And then the other most important thing about phase one armor is you've got that crest on the top of the head, um, which it's kind of funny. I mean, obviously they're coming from Boba Fett is where the design cue comes from because, you know, Boba Fett was already designed. They made Jango Fett the template for the clones. That all makes sense. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the crest thing is kind of interesting because that's where they took the T-visor. The and I think they sort of said, oh, well, it's kind of like a Roman centurion or a Greek uh, helmet. So why don't we give it like the plume, the like, you know, the feathery mohawk on it. But it's space, so it'll just be molded. 
which this especially shows up later on when you start seeing, you know, people customize their armor because you might see a color stripe down that mm -hmm. mohawk or mm -hmm. you might see the dots on their chest that symbolize what rank and stuff mm -hmm. they are. Yeah. Initially, when we saw the phase, you know, the original clone armor, uh, different ranks and things were denoted by different paint uh, paint schemes on mm -hmm. you know the clone armor. So you, you'd have like a oh boy. <laughs> I was gonna say you right. collected you know, them like, all. You might have a chance uh, to remember uh, like green for sergeant, red That's for right. captain. Uh, I don't know if these are right. Yellow, uh, blue. <laughs> no, I'm just naming colors. No, there's green, yellow, red, and blue. And I think green is sergeant. I think you're right. Yeah. I think red. Red is. I Red might be captain. I know it's yeah, it's 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 high up. And then I want to say that like blue might be lieutenant and yellow might be commander. Yellow okay. for See, commander now it gets confusing sounds because, right. Well, the thing that gets confusing is when we go to the next phase by the end of the war, all their colors are literally just personal embellishments. It's yes. just how they customize their. So yes. I know Commander Cody wears yellow and I know that Captain Rex wears blue. Yes. So like I'm getting all confuzzled. <laughs> I understand. It's easy to get confuzzled and hey, that's Commander Rex to you. Oh, that's true. As as of as of the end of the Clone Wars, yeah. He, but well, then I no, guess he was no, dishonorably no, he, discharged. No, 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 he was demoted. Yeah. He lost his rank. Yeah. Um so he's just Rex now. That's Citiz true. Citizen Rex. <laughs> Citizen Rex. That's true. Okay. Uh, so we have another set of clone trooper armor that comes yeah. later on after this. Now, uh, sometime between uh, the last movie and this next one, between episodes two and three, our clones get a wardrobe change. They. Right. Uh, the, what do you think? Do you think the Kamonian... <laughs> Kaminoans. Kaminoans. Yeah, no, it's tough. I know it's, how to say it, but it's like it wouldn't come out. It's early. You can write this stuff, but you, you can't, can't say it. it. <laughs> uh, so the Kaminoans, Kaminoans, Kamanoans, Kamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamamam
shape homage to the stormtroopers because it has those rebreathers on the bottom. Yeah, you get those those um, jaw rebreathers are bulbous out, and they have the little connectors at the front that we're yeah. used to seeing with on stormtroopers. And the little frowny gets a little more widened out, start going towards the stormtrooper mustache shape. And uh, the little T section, the vertical on the T section is teeny tiny compared to where it was. Yes, yes. It's just it's the same concept, but stretched out a little bit is essentially how you could describe it. It's just moved and uh, tweaked just enough to make you realize it's different. Now, these helmets on these clones... uh, you know, look bulkier, they look more traditional. So do you have a preference between the two, Mac? One that looks a little more Stormtrooper, one that looks a little more sleek? Oh, I love the Clone Trooper armor, Phase 1. I like it way better than Phase 2. Okay, okay. And it's interesting because I wonder if people have an attachment to one versus the other. You know, do we spend more time in Clone Wars on the second armor set? I think... I feel like we probably do. Do we? When does it change? I don't think it changes to like the the last season of the original show, which I know we've Would had two see- additional seasons yeah. since. But because I, I want to say because it's not when everyone else gets a costume change. They certainly don't change it till later. And yeah. then certain characters like I don't. Does Rex even appear with his other armor? I think he appears with phase one pretty much the whole ride through. I can't remember what his helmet looks like in the last episode, but I don't think he... Well, in the last episode, I mean, no, he definitely has a Phase 2 helmet. Okay. Like, he definitely has a... But, like, I I was... I remember being pretty happy that they weren't switching over all that fast, and I specifically remember, like, the final... (laughs) The original finale (laughs) um, (laughs) of just how imposing it looked that, like, Coruscant and that base where the tribunal happens for Ahsoka looks so episode three. Like, just the way it looks, like, they have these giant red banners and they have, you know, you're just like, oh, we just need an artist to come in here and change that Republic cog out (laughs) to the Imperial cog. It'll take, like, two minutes to fix that. Yes. Um, it's, It's a really dark dawn. Um. But yeah, I think I like the Phase One armor because it feels, it feels real Buck Rogers. Like the space Roman centurion feels very yeah. like Flash Gordon. It feels very interesting, especially because like they have that fin, and on the back of the fin are two glowing lights. There's no reason for them. They just look dumb and cool. Like just to have this little <laughs> light on the back. Um, and when they when they come in, they're they're very shocking because when you first saw episode two, you didn't know that it was going to end with stormtroopers like, oh, we're going to start the Clone Wars. And I think most of us in our head had the idea of like, oh, well, Obi-Wan's going to be fighting a mirror match with evil Obi-Wan. Like, I don't know. I never thought the Clone Wars were going to be a military deployment of proto stormtroopers that just. Not where my head was at. Even while watching the movie, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a legion of Tamara Morrison's coming in to attack, <laughs> not not clones. Because once Camino, you start seeing them get the equipment and stuff, you're like, oh, this is going, this isn't going the way I thought it was. Okay. I, I think we were all there. I think we all had that same feeling when uh, we understood kind of what the Clone Wars was and what it meant. Right. Uh, I I think we all thought going in like, oh, this is going to be clone Jedi fighting each other. And oh, it's going to be crazy and ridiculous. And I think we all had very similar expectations going in. I just Uh, don't think anyone thought it was 
the Clone Wars were a clone. Like, just one guy yeah. made into, theoretically, you know, 10 million, 100 million troopers. It, it's crazy to think about. I... Uh... I definitely never would have thought, but I think it's just another perfect example of how Star Wars can kind of surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, we we spend a lot of time predicting what's to come, and I think it's nice to have those expectations kind of shaken up a little bit. Yeah. And I think another thing that is very interesting is, um, obviously, armor is really important to at least one huge part of fandom, which is the fighting 501st. You know, they're completely built around the idea of building armor. And I think it's very impressive if you ever look at the story of building clone trooper armor for cosplay because they didn't have a template to work out out of because Lucasfilm never made phase one or phase two armor. Uh, There might've been some prop helmets, maybe, in general, they're all CG. You know, these are all CG on Tamara Morrison in a green suit. Um, and that's kind of wild to think about the fact that, like, you know, Stormtrooper armor, I think, is one of those, like, holy grails for most Star Wars collectors. Like, oh, yeah, if I could have a 1-1 Stormtrooper action figure, that'd be great. <laughs> um, um, I think it's just something a lot of people, like, lusted after. And it's kind of strange to think that, like, the clones never got physical props that the people who love this stuff had to from scratch figure out how to make this stuff. Cause no one had ever made it. Um, a couple of things I just want to mention before we uh, kind of let this rest is uh, there's a couple of variants that I think are important to mention. I think the most important one to think about is the arc troopers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Arc troopers are one of the few specialized troops that we see in um, Lucasfilm generated media. I don't want to say Canon cause it's not anymore, but like, where we saw both phase one and phase two versions of them. And the biggest thing that makes them look scary is they've got the sand trooper style, like shoulder pad that says, look, badge of honor. Look, I've got a big shoulder pad. Follow me. (laughs) Um, And then they have a skirt, which you wouldn't think is intimidating, but it looks very intimidating. Um, They've got this whole kind of like waist cloth skirt around them and often they're wearing more armor or more specialized equipment. I think one of the ones we see in the background of episode three has sort of like a um, an additional visor that go like a like electro binoculars or something that go over his actual visor, kind of like Boba Fett's rangefinder does. So they're pretty cool. And we see a whole bunch of different ones. I mean, there's sea troopers, there's jet troopers, there's, you know. All kinds of different scuba environments. Scuba troopers. Right, exactly. Like Can't forget about the scuba we, troopers. We went through, uh, you know, everything that got me excited about troops when I was a kid, which is like, it's like G.I. Joe. You know, I just want to go collect, you know, like, um, you know, zero G black hole space trooper with, I don't know, space gun action or whatever, you know, or that was such a thing. We kind of talked about that. Uh, was that last week with Ray's outfits about like variants and yeah. how that gets... <laughs> Variants are just a pathway for us to learn about, like, fashion and design and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it worked. Oh, yeah. It worked. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, and you see it all over the place because uh, we, we, we mentioned the Clone Wars. Like, you can see just how much customization has happened by, like, say, the Bad Batch. There's a guy who doesn't even have, like, a full faceplate to his mask anymore because he's ripped that out to put better optics so he can see better and stuff like that. And, and you know, one's got... Uh, 
uh, Jesse, the one arc trooper at the end of Clone Wars, has just like the entire you know Republic cog just printed onto his helmet. Um, very dedicated. Yeah, lots and lots of variants to the way they look. Uh-huh. And I think that's important because it is the one thing until later seasons of Clone Wars where we get a little bit more dialogue, but especially in the films, it's the one thing that shows us that these clones are developing a personality. We don't want you to think of them as subhuman. You know, we want you to think of them as people and we want you to think of them yeah. as real lives uh, being lost in this terrible galactic conflict. They're not um, droids anymore. They're they're humans with yeah. their own lives yeah and i think the painting of the helmets and the suits is incredibly important to that message um and it's incredibly important to those clones to be individuals and that also speaks to their character because we don't get to see that in the films not yeah not really obviously it's i think a double-edged sword that they honed pretty well because you, know, you figure there's a whole generation of kids that their first star wars the star wars they grew up on is clone wars Right. When you ask, like, who's your favorite character? Captain Rex and Ahsoka. And it's like, whoa, that's a different world than I grew up in. And that's fine. But like, it's got to be tough for them to eye that needle of the fact of like, yeah, all your friends are going to turn into traitors. (laughs) They're they're going to become the murderers of all those other Jedi. And they're going to become the stormtroopers and enforce galactic law on the on the governments of the galaxy, whether they want it or not. And it's it's interesting that, again, they really sort of like raise our chin to knock us out with really selling the individuality of these clones, whether it's even in, whether it's even in the small context of like episode three, where you've got Commander Cody and you've got, you know, this interaction between him and Obi-Wan and just acknowledging, you know, a working relationship and that Obi-Wan, you know, has a friend who is a clone. Right. And then, of course, Rex is, I think, the, the most obvious clone that gets the most work in the clone wars um and thank god he wasn't at operation nightfall where they killed all the jedi i'm so happy he's not (laughs) he's he didn't turn out to be as mass murdery as most um uh but it's yeah it's it's a really important um it's a really important thing and i think even in 2005 one of the ways i remember that being really sold was in the video game um republic commando they have these guys who have like the armor that's in between the two, they have Katarn class commando armor. So they sort of got the T visor, but it's got this kind of blue halo to it and it's way bulkier and you know, they're running around and they all have already started customizing their armor. You get the idea that like clones and arc troopers are all are, are more individualist from the world go than their rank and file counterparts. And, uh, I mean, by the end of the game, those are, those are four really individual people, which is really cool. I think for the clones to be a viable storytelling device, making them people is not only a necessity, you know, making them individuals is not only a necessity, but it adds so much more to a story that is supposed to be about life and energy and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, being non-oppressive and and i think having this sort of um slave force yeah you know that the republic uses uh and showing that they're individuals they're more than just this mass of people is really important 
Yeah. And uh, I'm definitely into it. I mean, the clones are so much more now than they were, you know, 18 years ago when Attack of the Clones came <laughs> out. They're, they're so much more. They have so much more lore and legacy. And uh, I'm really glad we're at this point now with the conclusion of Clone Wars where we can really kind of appreciate them. Yeah, it's kind of spooky when you think about, like, Captain Rex probably has easily, what, 10 times as much screen time in Star Wars canon than Luke. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like when yeah. you think about it, that's how wild is that, right? It is crazy um, to think about. <laughs> no, real quick, um, yeah. collector stuff. We, we joked about the fact of like, there was a, even I who didn't collect Black Series remember the years of yeah. like, well, here's a green clone and here's a red clone. Like, it still happens. Um, <laughs> it's getting better now because it's more specific clones. So like Rex, <laughs> Cody, Wolf, Fox, Gree. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. We've so they got gotten, to some of the commanders. So and... we've gotten those. Rex, Cody. Those were so... Cody was the first. And, and then, that makes sense. Yeah. And, he, and all of these clones have become tough to find now. Huh. Like, they're all... Rex is a little bit newer, so he's still kind of out there. Yeah. But, like, Cody and... Um, well, Gree, luckily, recently got a reprint. Now, now just... Gree's the one on Kashyyyk, right? Yes, He's the, the old green with the reflective yes, green visor. Yes, the camo. He was a Toys R Us exclusive Black Series right before they shut down. Oh. Well, <laughs> not right before, but it's part of the reason why that one has become He's so hard He's an even more find. limited edition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that has luckily since gotten a reprint. But some of those clones are expensive. They did uh, the variants of the original armor, so red, green, and uh, yellow. Yeah. Uh, that's the only reason why I know the one as a sergeant, just because I remember that packaging. Since then, they've done rex wolf and wolf's the one with like gray red accent he gray gray yeah yeah because he's um plow coon's clone mm-hmm. commander i think exactly um they've done a fox but i don't have that yet that's relatively new uh he's red i think he's right. coruscant guard I yeah think. uh i feel like i'm forgetting some but i mean they've done some others They've done some like multiple packs of different painted troopers mm-hmm. that aren't specific um, in like different phase armors and stuff like that. So there have been some others, but off the top of my head, while I feel like I'm forgetting someone, that's all I can that's... remember. So they've done a fair amount. Yeah. Um, I would say a lot of them, like the different phase one clone variants and Cody were before the Disney acquisition. All of the clone characters have been kind of after, with the exception of Cody. Um, that makes sense. You know, so we are getting more. It does seem like we're more likely to get more clone characters, which is fantastic. Um, hopefully, that trend continues because I'd love a Jesse. Um, Jesse, you know, there. I'd love like a Bad Batch four pack. Like you know, there. There are definitely be, ways that would be wild and cool. Yeah, that'd be one you'd that. buy, wouldn't it? Uh, close. <laughs> Right now, the I will admit, Phase One Clone Trooper armor. It's I think it's the captain. It's red. I got yeah. the one with red accents. Yeah. Is one of the only my Black Series collection is a FET set of yes. just every Mando they've produced in that line. Yes, and then <laughs> and the clone a, a, captain. A, 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 a clone captain and a um and a uh, first order stormtrooper. That's right. You got which a is couple. technically my first. That's when you first enabled me on that first fr- Force Fridays. Yeah, totally worth it. Um, well, awesome. <laughs> well, uh, that was great. Yeah, it was fun. All right. You want to talk about something else? Yeah, let's go talk about some Force powers. Yeah.
Mac, there's really one question that has brought us here today. Oh, how one? high can a Jedi jump? How high can a Jedi jump if a how Jedi could jump Jedi. high? <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's exactly what I'd like to know. Well, I think it really, you see, it depends. It depends. Like all good questions when you want a definitive answer. I'm going to start with, well, it depends. Sure. Of course. Uh, how strong is your connection to the Force? How many metachlorians do you have? Yeah, what's your metachlorian count? That's the we, real question. We could do a logarithmic algebra equation to figure out exactly your maximum height in meters. Exactly. Exactly. It's like one of those things at the zoo where you see, can I jump as far as a cheetah can? Do you think that's it's one like, of the tests? To, yeah, I think so. They just measure you. Like, well, you like when jump. you come out of like a, as like a youngling, you're like, all uh -huh. right, well, let's see if you're ready for Padawan training or if we're going to shuttle you off to the agricultural core where you'll just <laughs> not be a knight. Or what is it? The agricultural core, the medical core, and the no explorer core. Now. There's three, at least in old Canada, there's three cores where you would go if you kind of scrubbed out. Yeah. Like if, if no one picked you as a Padawan or your skills were, your latency never really developed. Yeah. You kind of got scrubbed and you went to like helping people heal or helping people grow food or helping like explore and sense things. Like, cause you're still better than a being of, you know, rank and file, but you're not throwing around force powers like the force leap. Yeah. Yeah. Force jump. Force jump. Force. I like, see, I like leap. Leap has a more of like a poetic quality yeah, to force it. Force throwing of your body. I think jump's probably the most common name for it. Yeah. Well, whatever you want to call it, that's what we're talking about today. So we first see this force power in what? Episode five? I would say episode right, five. That's the first place yeah. we see it. So Luke has been uh, tricked into tripping into the carbon freezing chamber. Or he just fell like a... Anyway. Yeah. And uh, basically Vader goes, too easy. All too easy. And with his hand, he kind of flips the switch of the carbon freezing chamber. And yep. as he looks away, we see a flash of gray jump out uh, up above and grab onto uh, some support tubes. <laughs> We, he yeah so the apparatus that's above the carbon freezing pit he jumps up into yep, that yep uh and he's kind of like climbing clambering up it and uh vader <laughs> sees him up there but that's our first instance of I it yeah really i think you can relate to this it's it's like when a cat gets spooked and it does that vertical leap you know ah. like back arches into like a perfect like v and then it just up <laughs> yep just the up direction yeah and then it just like a cat claws just go in any direction to support it whatever it can grab onto so luke uses the force leap here to escape uh carbon freezing but we really don't see the force leap until the prequels you know, we don't we see it really being... see it big yeah because in in episode five luke basically uses it very defensively in fact yeah. like i said it's such a flash and and at that point like i can only imagine what kids in the 80s were thinking of just going like seeing a force pull as this lever gets pulled from the other side of the room by vader it's like oh you could do that like <laughs> like i mean luke was trying real hard to get that lightsaber i didn't realize you could just get good at it like enough to like hit switches and dials yep and yep. then luke just blurs out and then we start seeing other things where like because fader almost does one of those when he does that very like dracula leap down at luke you know he's got his cape kind of out he's just like i'm frankenstein and i'm going to smother you like yeah you're not wrong you're that not could, wrong maybe if we were forced sleep it's tough to say but you're right in the prequels along with things like seeing the jedi move really fast mm -hmm. we start to see a jedi 
who has practiced and trained. These are the tools of his trade. Absolutely. So we have these Jedi who are, you know, supposedly in the, the prime of the order, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in Gwygon and Obi-Wan. And at the end, uh, Obi-Wan is just leaping up onto these incredibly uh, high walkways, you know, during the Duel of the Fates. Uh, on the duel on Naboo, he's just moving and grooving and able to, no matter what he gets knocked off of, he's able to jump right back up and keep going. Now, you get to your question of how high can a Jedi jump? Would, and that's pretty high. Yeah, they're at least like, what, 12, 15 feet uh, apart? I don't even want to, yeah, I don't even want to estimate because oh, I truly... Four to five meters apart. Uh, thank you. Yes. Speak to all of our audience listeners, Mac. Not just us crazy Americans. Not just us Imperials. Yeah. Running around with our Imperial measurements. I, you know, I... Okay. So, in live <laughs> action... Yes. Episode one has got to be the the highest we see a Jedi jump. Yeah. I think you understand this specifically thinking yeah. of the one part where... Qui-Gon and Maul are fighting and they're going yeah. back towards like the ray shielded doors. Yes, exactly. And Obi-Wan's like, how do I get back up there? I know. Leap. Yes. <laughs> and he just, he just yes. straight vertical leaps yeah. in a way that NBR stars would cry if they could have those skills yeah. up onto that other platform. Well, you know what I love is uh, the way they accomplished this and a lot of the behind the scenes documentaries, they show this. They basically had, you know, the character. So in this case, you and McGregor right over the edge and they had like a wooden board that they would stand on mm. and there'd be t- two, you know, crew members would just grab the board and kind of th- shove it up underneath of them to kind of oh. give them some propulsion up. Oh, that's so cool. that way it didn't look like he was bouncing to kind oh, of get up. Okay, you know it looked like it was just one sort of arc movement. Yeah, it looks like he was thrown. Uh huh. Um, and so I always really thought that was a neat little kind of cool. little add on there. Um, I, the force leap. Okay, so we have Obi Wan jumping up high. Yeah, and he got, and he does a and he does and he jumps high. Like I said, I'm feeling at yeah. least four. four Episode meters. two. Any good force leaps in there? We have some jumping. Anakin jumping out of a speeder, Obi-Wan jumping onto a slug dispenser. Um, I think, if memory serves correctly, I'm pretty sure he does it at least once during the Droid Factory sequence. I was trying to figure, I was thinking about that, but I didn't rewatch it. I, th- I don't... I haven't rewatched it, but I'm pretty sure yeah. there's the... I think it's... I think it's around where Padme's about to get smelted. Yeah. I can't I remember. I feel confident that it's in there. Okay. I, I've coined before that this oh, is my least favorite scene in all of mind. Star Wars. I know another time. Yeah. In the arena, he absolutely, like, um, force leaps onto the reek. Oh, sure, sure. Down can be a force leap. Yeah. Leaping down can be a force leap. Especially it's to land that landing. Like. Yeah, that, that would hurt. <laughs> uh, okay. And then there's the maybe the biggest force leap of all time. The time on Mustafar when Anakin loses three of his limbs. Yeah. The biggest failed force leap of all time. Definitely the most dramatic. Yeah, definitely. So in episode three, Anakin uh, unfortunately is in a situation where, oh, sorry, Vader's in a situation where Obi-Wan has the high ground. And, uh, you know, Vader thinks his power is underestimated and just jumps and tries that You never believed in me, Obi-Wan. I don't care about you or physics. (laughs) And believe it or not, it didn't work. He did it's lose so, three limbs. When you when you get removed from the emotion of that scene, which to this day watching that sequence, I think it 
plays so well. Oh, it like, It's so does. easy for us to be cheeseball afterward of like, I've got the high ground. It gives me a plus five against your defense. Like, you know, yeah, it, it's Sun Tzu. It's true. It's historical truth that high ground's good. Yes. But like, when you think about it, like, how bad does Anakin fall apart here? He, oh, it's he bad. leaps at his best friend with full intention to kill him. Yeah. His best friend does just like the most graceful little pirouette possible. Like, he so effortly defends himself, lopping off all the limbs except for your already bad one. Yeah. Except for your robot arm. Yeah. You fall onto this the stone. The one pebble. holding his lightsaber, by the way. Yes. Which is interesting. Well, I think the way that Anakin leaps, he sort of like jumps up, and I think his arm that has the lightsaber is further back mm. like he's got it behind his shoulder ready for like an overhead blow mm-hmm. and that naturally twists his body so his other limbs are in front let's be honest trying to make sense of how you hit three limbs <laughs> in one <laughs> blow is all kind of a well vader has he's a full quadriplegic so we have to get there yeah don't think about it too hard uh fair uh, enough but he falls on the ground and then he's dragging himself with his one robot hand and then he's like, ah, I'm so mad. I'm, I, I, I'll still get you. He's like the Black Knight from Money Python going like, come over here. I'll bleed on you. Yes. And yes. then just when it couldn't get worse and he's thinking just about how dry his hair is, his hair catches fire because just a little piece of his cloak is enough for fire to sprout up. Yep. yep. It's dry there on Mustafa. And just your skin is just so cracked. Yeah. Um, it's It's bad. Yeah, so again, I think you're right. I think that is the most prominent yeah. force leap in the entire entire thing. Because again, he also clears like a horizontal distance of at least like oh, it's insane five meters. Oh, I mean, fifteen insane. twenty feet minimum. Yeah. Now in the Clone Wars, we see lots of crazy. Force <laughs> yes, we leaping. do. <laughs> lots of force leaping. Um, my favorite force leap, and to be fair here, the one just most present in my mind as of the time of this recording, but during the Bad Batch arc on, mm-hmm. uh, I believe it's episode three on the wings of Kiridax, uh, Anakin has that, remember they're, they're fighting the, that giant robot yeah. and he like jumps up onto it and takes out its cannon and then jumps down and it's like the size of a building. <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, he gets yeah. up. It's not all one leap to get up there. But just, you know, by the end of the war, we're not only seeing how powerful some Jedi have become due to the constant fighting, but we're specifically seeing how powerful Anakin is. And yeah. it, in my opinion, is meant to be that, hey, Anakin is more powerful than everyone. He has that potential, but he's also 22. You're like double his age, Obi-Wan, you know, like. You know, you got like 10 years on him. And you're certainly wiser than him. Yes. <laughs> and it ultimately comes down to while Anakin is still stronger, he loses because Obi-Wan essentially has the better plan, the better strategy. Well, that's right? why, like, again, again, it's easy to knock that line. But I love that Obi-Wan basically, like, tells his friend, hey, yeah. look, don't attack me. I, I'm the planner. I'm the strategist. I know you will lose this. And I don't I don't want to have to do what you're about to make me do. Yeah. <laughs> It, it If they hadn't cut out the 10 minutes of Anakin driving his little hover platform up and down the lava river, like, can I cross here? Can I jump off here? And it's just Obi-Wan running along on the shore beside him like, nope, still have the high ground. <laughs> like, if they had had that in there about like, well, yeah, fine. They- 
But since they didn't, I think it's a, I'm willing to, you know, make that. Let it, let it work. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to let you know, it slide. Just thinking about it, like when you said, like, we were talking about, you know, Anakin does that amazing leap and just shows how powerful he is. It also reminds me of, there is actually one that, I, I guess I didn't really think of it on a force leap, but it's totally that. Mm. Yoda's fighting style. Oh, yeah. He definitely is using the force to propel that little body. Because much like his other Jedi fellows, he's going two or three times his height. I mean, sure, that gets us up to about head height on a normal person, but that's the force, man. Because he's just pinballing all over the place. You were 100% right. Yeah. I can't argue with that. You were completely right. Yoda does like his gymnastics. He's so so crazy yeah oh man i like attack of the clothes completely unironically i, I mean i like movie. attack of I the clothes too i you know uh, i mean we like all star wars movies we do here. we do that's the fun thing about it is um, even when we complain unintentionally we still <laughs> like all star wars movies here keep it positive here everything's great we like to try all the star wars <laughs> now the one thing i want to mention about that force leap that's kind of crazy is force leap is or force jump or whatever we're gonna call it you know, the interesting thing to me about it is this is something that started in many ways in another medium. Yes, we have Luke doing that that maneuver, right? But again, was that defensive? Was that on purpose? Is that something Jedi do? We fully established that's a Jedi trick and they use it all the time when we started making video games yeah. and role-playing games, mm-hmm. right? Like the first contact I had with it was um, uh, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, where the whole thing is Kyle Katarn is learning the ways of the force. And so he has force powers. And one of the light side force powers is force jump where you can do two. And I think eventually three times your height in like jumping, which eventually you need to, to traverse some of the levels. Yeah. And that continues. Cause even like today we, we saw how important it is in like the fallen order mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Um, our hero gets his force leap, which is a little different. Cause he does a little like, a little like spin up. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he does the double yeah. jump. You know, he, it's not just enough to jump on the force. Then he jumps literally from the force. He has nothing to jump on and still gets some more height. Yeah. Yeah. The crash bandicoot style, as we like to yeah, call it. Yeah. He, he kind of does that, like that somersault, like yeah. tuck and then flies up a little further. Yeah. And, it's great. I love when you're playing a hero in Battlefront 2 and you do a force jump. They just kind of hover. Oh, that's second. cool. It's kind of like like when you're up at kind of the 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 peak of the arc, mm-hmm. you kind of almost like have a second where you're just kind of like hovering there. Where you're like anti-gravity uh, for yeah, a second before you yeah. come back down. That's cool. Really a fan of that, even though I'm never good enough to unlock a hero anymore <laughs> ever since I stopped playing. But hey, if you turn it <laughs> on all heroes, everybody gets to be a hero. Everyone gets to be a hero. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think the cool thing about Force Sleep is, like I said, it's something that I mean, for a video game, it's an obvious, like, yes, we want that. Give that to us. Let's put that in Super Star Wars. Let's put that in all the video games because it's a a double jump is the most, you know, bread and butter kind of like extra thing you could do in a video game. But I think that's one of the exciting things about when we saw the prequels and the Jedi running around. It was like, oh, my gosh, it's like the video games. Like, (laughs) you know, because they they started that ascent, which I agree with some people. Maybe we're, we're going too far of becoming superheroes yeah. you know they're they're not just these monks they're they're monks in like the hong kong movie wushu style like they are yeah. wireworks gods <laughs> i definitely understand the people who say jedi got too powerful yeah i i definitely understand where you're coming from that 
it's a big leap to go from that fight between Vader and Obi-Wan on the Death Star mm-hmm. to the acrobatics we see in episode three. So I can understand people who wanted that, but I think you need that heroicism of the Jedi to mm-hmm. make Star Wars what it has been. I, I think that yeah. was bound to happen. And if that hadn't happened, Star Wars wouldn't have had the legs it did. And when you have things like when they crash on the invisible hand at the beginning of episode three and they're leaping out of their starfighters right into slicing down droids, they need to be demigods to believe they can do that stuff. That they, you know, these generals are single handedly taking out squads of troops by themselves in their support. Mm -hmm. And it makes it so much more interesting to see them because like they don't need armor they don't need ships they they just run in with a sword and it's really important and the other thing i'll also say that we should keep in mind with like when we think about force leaps is the medium of film was changing at the time whereas the original three star wars were were building action points out of like world war ii action movies of the american film they were also drawing on samurai films so that's why you know like obi-wan's death is so fast is because that that was the samurai thing is you know the guy draws his blade they stare at each other and then they rush past each other and then one falls like it was very much that by this point most people through the 80s and 90s got exposed to like jackie chan and jet lee and hong kong and wireworks uh kind of movies and stuff like that so they brought the action up a little bit by the time you get to episode two and three movies like um, in America, we had Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and gotten huge. And American audience were exposed to the incredibly over-the-top, well beyond the reason of actual people. We don't believe actual people do that of what's called wushu, which is this Chinese version of, like, where people fly. I mean, <laughs> they're leaping, but they're leaping, like, from building to building. The Matrix had come out by this yeah. point. Like, our ideas of what action movies were were accelerating and as we go forward in Star Wars, even the sequel trilogy is like, you had all the Marvel films, and that's what these movies are competing for the mind share of. So it's not surprising right out of the gate, people like Kylo Ren are stopping blaster bolts with their minds. Well, we've never seen that before. Well, yeah, but the scale's got to go up for the yeah. product of the entertainment. And I, one of my favorite things about that is I love... One of the things I do love about the sequel trilogy is how mm-hmm. it sort of brings that together of like, you know, two important things. Uh, you know, failure is the the burden of all masters. You know, they are what we they, they grow beyond what we are. Um, you know, every student should become more powerful than their master. Right. Every generation yeah. should be stronger. And so that makes sense. So when you have this uh, this chosen one dilemma that has like had three multipliers on it now through generations <laughs> uh it's no surprise that you've got ben stopping blaster bolts so and we'll see in the uh, high republic you know. i think you'd also argue that by the time we see the jedi in the prequels they're actually slightly diminished like they're at their peak it'll be but like they're all being reined in like anakin's constant moaning is the fact yeah. of they they are shackling him yeah. they don't let him do what he can do so I truly, truly believe that when we get this era of High Republic yeah. that's coming, we will really see some Jedi do some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. And I think what we're going to learn, what we're eventually going to kind of, when we see the galaxy as a whole, is that episode one is the end of the prime for the Jedi. That right. Qui-Gon is kind of the last of like 
what the Jedi wanted to be or what it's the Jedi. It's the Twilight. They, they, yeah. They've slowed into this uh, static yeah. organization. Yeah. I, I think that's what we're going to find. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see, are these Jedi just 200 years, you know, pre-episode one that much different? Hmm. So I'm excited to find out. As am I. Yeah. And I'm sure Force Lee will show up because, I mean, it's, I think it will. It's a quintessential. Actually, hold on. See, it's showing up everywhere. And I'm like, is it in the sequel trilogy? Oh, yeah. In episode nine, when oh. we're on the Death Star. When she's dropping it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Especially when she's doing that. Um, yes. There are other. Oh, and, and, oh, yeah. Oh, her super amazing leap off of the uh, the speeder in Pensano where she's like upside like or the uh, not the speeder, the uh, TIE fighter. Yes, yes. Yeah, that first clip we saw is, fighter, yeah, I take that back, nine. that may be the, the most elegantly filmed for sleep. Definitely the most elegantly filmed. No so, doubt about it. That's yeah. so that wushu yeah. of her just gracefully yeah. like ballerina spinning yeah. up over. How this, could we forget? Um, well, I think it's because it's such a tapestry of what yeah. Star Wars is now. Yeah. You kind of forget it's one of their powers. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's like force push. It's yeah. like a little hard to remember of like, oh, yeah, there was a time we didn't have that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know what? There's another one. When Ben leaps down onto the giant chain. Oh, yeah. On Exegol 2. There's a force leap there. Uh, Oh, man. There is a lot. Yeah. Like I said, it's such a fun. It's such a bread and butter thing. So it's great. And we're going to keep exploring the force powers. We've explored uh, in a previous episode. uh, We explored push, right? We did push. Push push. was our first one. We haven't done pull yet. No, we did did leap. Yeah. Push and pull different. Uh, We've done leap. We haven't done choke. We haven't done choke. We haven't done sense. We haven't done. Yeah. Well, there's a whole bunch to go. So yeah. uh, stick with us. We'll eventually <laughs> get through all of them. That's right. That's right. Thrilling content day in, day out here at Star Wars All In. All right. But for us, for right now, let's go wrap this thing. Let's do it. So we bring another one home. We, we wrap up our, our, our duology here today. Yeah. Is it first time ever we've done a two-parter? Uh, I think we've all, yeah, we usually do three. We've done one topics. Mm-hmm. We've done, we did five with the bounty hunters. That's probably our, our most broken down we've done one. four. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. First time ever, maybe. Yeah. We're just trying different things out. Because remember, this is all supposed to be random. That's, that's our whole point. And I hope. I hope you guys like that because we like to just do like we I think one of the joys I have about picking topics. I don't know if you feel the same way is like trying to pick topics that are like instead of peanut butter, jelly, jelly and bread, like something that goes together. I usually like to find things that are like uh, gravel, wood and fish, like just <laughs> stuff that like finding the connection I, is part of the challenge. I, I thought you were going to at least have one single peanut butter and jelly ingredient in there. No, no, no. <laughs> no. You just threw the whole sandwich away. No, cuz you throw peanut butter in there, it glues everything yeah. together. It glues chocolate together. Yeah. Glues, yeah. Um, bananas. Yeah. All kinds of stuff. 
but yeah, I think it's I think it's fun. And th- these two topics are definitely two that like. Well, we saw them during the Clone Wars. I guess they go together. Shrug. They go together. <laughs> they go together. All of Star Wars. All of Star Wars goes together. Well, Mac, I had a lot of fun today. Um, yeah. Anything new going on in Star Wars with you? Anything exciting? Uh, mostly stuff on the rumor mill, and I don't really want to. I don't yeah, really use this space to get in there. Guy so either. Oh, the uh, Mandalorian Gallery show started, and that's yes. pretty great. Episode two just aired a few days mm-hmm. ago, uh, as of recording. Uh, I thought it was great. More great Dave, Filoni content. It, okay, I, I'm gonna go one thing of like Dave Filoni. I want him to run Lucasfilm. Like I think everybody does, and I he think just gets it in a way that no one else does, and no one has been set up to. I mean, he literally yeah. was like George Lucas's apprentice for the manufacture yeah. of Star Wars. It, it very much is a what I suspect is happening is very much a it's going to happen, but let's take time and actually develop him yeah let's not just try and rush this you know let's give him live action directing experience i think very very soon he's going to be directing his own live action show and then i think eventually after that he'll get a movie and then i think because i think the funny thing about is like when you watch the gallery show it's john favreau's project but you kind of get the idea that like him and filoni are co-show running it like it does feel you know that I mean? way based on the first couple. It just seems like, and and when I saw them both at the panel at Celebration in Chicago, it kind of felt that way. That like John Favreau felt like the, um, how should I put this? The, the boots on the ground, making things moving, like in getting the camera set up, and it sounded like Filoni was a lot of the guy in the writers' room making sure this thing was Star Wars. Yeah, right. Like massaging all those ideas, and it the gallery show sort of pushes a little bit of that out, and then. Dave records, he made his first live action thing. And I love that in that show, he's talking about the fact of like, well, you know, it helped that George Lucas never talked in animation because he doesn't know it. So he always referred to everything in the show of like, well, you're going to set up the camera over here. And Filoni's like, yeah, we don't really have tripods in, in animation, but yeah, I get you. I, I, I can, I can see what you're saying. And like got him to think about staging and blocking and stuff that you have in live action that animation doesn't really have you you can put the camera anywhere it can be inside objects for all it matters and staging is very different because it's just does it look good in the frame we're done not these have to be physical things or we have to put people in there or they have to move from one side to the other we can cheat a lot of animation so totally um it was great and i think everybody in that show basically said like and dave filoni he just knows everything he just knows everything about star wars and i'm like yeah and let's be clear there were lots of star wars fans who felt this way for years and years and years oh, yeah um so this is not a, a hot take or anything by any means that's why it's in the appendix uh yeah but it is a really good point i think you know people want dave filoni to be this kevin feige like character i think yeah. for star wars and personally i think that is likely to happen but i think we might be 10 years off yeah, from well, something like that well, becoming official on the books well, uh, I don't know, for 10 years. I mean, what I look at it is like, what I would like to see is I would like to see Kathleen Kennedy, head of Lucasfilm, say, uh, Dave Filoni is now our VP of Star Wars projects or VP yes, of because Star Lucas Wars brand. Film is more than Star Wars. Yeah. And we have to remember that. Um, I sure as heck want Lucasfilm to make more than just Star Wars because they make a lot of stuff. And, and if you want to know our opinions about other things Lucasfilm make, I suggest if you go back to our April 1st episode, the episode mar- marked Too Big for One Episode Part 1, 
uh, you can hear some uh, alternative takes, and I'll, I'll leave you to check that out. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I uh, I completely just spaced on my uh, on oh, my sorry. train of thought. No, you're good. But yeah, but they, no, they you're have, good. They have I other got, properties. I got They've thinking got... about Indiana Jones, and my mind just went blank. Indiana Jones is probably the biggest other property we know yeah. from Lucasfilm, but supposedly a new film coming out. It seems like it's moving. Indy um, five. I know I've had it in my countdown app for three years now. Um, we'll, we'll get there. So I'm hoping one day, let's see. And then you never know what might happen. They might get another willow out. Uh, I mean, you know, Ron Howard's definitely <laughs> working with Lucasfilm again. So, you know, what's something crazy, Mac, as that- of this recording, we are only 24 days away from Queens peril. Ooh. The next, uh, the next star Wars book, assuming that's still coming out on June 2nd. Um, my guess is n- the run-up that they have to do for publishing books probably tells me that those were probably already manufactured. According to Amazon, still being released on uh, on June well, 2nd. So, Despite the current pandemic, there's a lot of stuff that was already either produced or mm-hmm. was produced or some stuff's getting produced now. Well, I know everything's opened again. There are, I got my uh, Boba Fett helmet. My Black Series did. Boba I'm, Fett helmet. I'm very excited to see it in person. There are... Uh, I know some people who already have copies of Queen's Peril. Like the early oh. reader, like the proof copies, yeah. went out a long time ago. Oh, okay. So it's very much done. It would be more scheduling. Like Thrawn was originally supposed to come out over the summer <laughs> and it got pushed to October. And we all assumed it got pushed because there'll be a new book coming out in the summer and there's not. Maybe they just knew COVID was coming because now it seems like, yeah, push to October. That seems about the delay you'd have if you were in the summer and now you're releasing after. Yeah, right. Um, but the book is done supposedly too. So that's an odd one for me. Uh, the next book in the Alphabet Squadron franchise comes out in 45 days. Shadowfall. Mm. Very excited about that one. Uh, might give the first one a reread. Big fan of that book. Um, it's Lucas. Well, sorry, not Lucas Films. Del Rey's first attempt yeah. at uh, publishing a trilogy of novels or a series of novels in star wars since aftermath um mm. i you could argue the thrawn books but those well, are no, no, three no. a planned of. trilogy like yeah that, that the, the alphabet squad was written write this write this write this yeah. and be done whereas yeah. thrawn was like that sold really well zelen do you want to do another one yeah okay hey that <laughs> one also sold really well do you want to do another one yeah okay yeah basically that um so it'll be interesting to see <laughs> it'll be very interesting to see if uh alphabet squad ends up being more than a trilogy if it turns out like the Rogue Squadron yeah. books is like a, a um, serialized, ongoing exactly series. exactly. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're only 108 days from the High Republic. Oh. 108 days from Light of the Jedi being released. It's closer than you think. I know we've never been closer. And then, um, actually, wait did it did it come out yet? What's that? Bud? It's very soon. Uh, the Doctor Aphra stuff. Oh, that's July. July. The Dr. Okay. Afra audio drama. I knew it was like this yeah. summer because the nice thing about that is it's all digital, so they don't have to like yeah. make anything. Yeah. It could just be dropped on the you internet. You know, good point, though, Mac. I need to add that to my uh, my countdown here. Just a couple other call-outs. Uh, Dark Legends, which is the next. Uh, remember the uh, Myths and Fables book? Yeah. It's kind of the sequel to that that's going to be more oh, dark, dark side, side. stories. Uh, so super pumped on that, 73 days. Uh, Free Fall, the Poe Dameron prequel book, 87 days. Uh, the Clone Wars short stories book, Stories of Light and Dark, 108 you know, Days. I feel like now that we're, now we don't got a tenth, now that we don't have a tent pole movie that we have to build the entire marketing push around. What do you mean? We're 950 days away from it. <laughs> Sorry. Right go now ahead. that we have a slot and not a movie planned to market around, um, 
I like the fact that, you know, High Republic is the most obvious thing, but just the idea that Star Wars is kind of like, cool, we have something cool. Just throw it out there. Like, we don't need to have a specific time when it has to, like, as long as we have a schedule and a, a hole in it, just put it in there. Yeah. And just rolling stuff out kind of reminds me of um, the lulls, like when Star Wars got going again and you you were waiting until episode one came out or between episode five and episode or episode three and episode seven, you know, when you just had star Wars was whatever we wanted to make it was. And so there might be a video game. There might be that. There might be this. Oh, last thing we should mention there, the fallen order DLC, the free DLC. Oh my God. You're right. How could we forget? Have you (sighs) played it? Yeah. How is it? It's good. It's good. I mean, it's, it's a combat arena primarily. It's that scene that sort of comes out of nowhere, sort yeah. of built up. But what's cool is people can go make their own ones of those. So it kind of gives it a little bit of an online component where you can kind of share different combat scenarios and stuff. But the coolest thing to me is like the extra skins and stuff. You can get the uh, the um, Cal as a um, Inquisitor, Inquisitor yeah. which just looks. I'm a little good. I'm a little sad though about Inquisitor Cal that he doesn't have any more spooky features it's just uh let's be honest it's it's literally that model they made for when he has that vision yeah um and that's fine uh i I think there's a part of me and a part of you that just goes like hey remember those really cool dlcs for uh force unleashed Unleashed, like where you had like the bad ending where like what if the secret apprentice went sith and he's like really gnarly messed up and he's going and ruining original trilogy scenes. Yeah, the, exactly. I, I think that one. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what we wanted, but I think that's probably asking entirely too much of them. Hey, especially take, for free. Yes, I will take any free content you want to give me. So thank you, Respawn. Yeah, so good times to be a yeah. Star Wars fan. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, hey, next week we'll be back with a new episode. Uh, I might not be on it because I'm doing some quarantine traveling. Yeah, yeah, Uh, you you have to go out of airlock for a little bit. So we're going to see if we can get another one in. But if nothing else, uh, I I will absolutely be here to guide you through some more Star Wars content. There will be an episode next Wednesday. Content TBD. So until then, though. (laughs) That's right. I'm Mac. And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday. Be with you. This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and the respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2020.